Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Heart and Hand podcast are proud partners with footballprizes.co.uk. Football prizes have an amazing range of football-related memorabilia uh, across their website, and you can win some of it too. Regular listeners will know in the last couple of weeks, we've had some brilliant Rangers-related prizes on there, and the guys have not long put up a Borna Barisic signed and framed Rangers shirt. Normally this item would be going for hundreds of pounds but you can win it for £4.95 if you want to enter into the competition there are 99 tickets that have been made available um, and the competition will close on Wednesday the 3rd of February at 7.30pm and the draw will be made an hour later at 8.30pm so if you go into footballprizes.co.uk go into competitions and you'll see the Borner shirt in there you could get that for less than a fiver what a fantastic competition that is these are absolutely going like hotcakes guys so please don't hang around again the deadline uh, will close on the 3rd of February at 7.30 and the draw made an hour later at 8.30pm please jump over and see what you can get listen you'll get some fantastic stuff off of there thanks Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast and this is your extra show for the week. It's uh, Cammy here as per usual. Delighted to be joined by uh, Mr Sexy himself, Mr Andy McGowan. Andy, how are you? Working from home and all of that kind of stuff. Can he go out? Can he do anything? You must be loving this. <laughs> I'm definitely more anti-social than even I thought, which is saying something. <laughs> yeah. we've, uh, always, we've always got the teddies. Yes, we have indeed. We have indeed. That's exactly why we're here. So, Andy, uh, fresh off of uh, a 1-0 win uh, over Hibs at Easter Road. Um, we'll, we'll go into the game in a little bit of kind of detail and stuff as well. But um, I think the kind of build-up to the game, I think we, we were looking towards the fixtures. We knew this would be a tough one. Obviously, we dropped points. Uh, one of the seldom occasions this season where we've actually dropped points, but we did that the last time we were at Easter Road. Um, were you nervous going into this one or had the team given you enough confidence being able to go into it that we should be able to try and get a, a result for 
uh, what's a team that, let's face it, always tend to play very, very well against Rangers. Mm-hmm. I think my nerves have uh, dissipated fantastically in the past couple of weeks um, since we got a wee bit more cushion, given Celtic's drop points against Tibbs and Livingston. So, um, no, I was pretty confident getting into last night. And, and to be really, really honest with you, Cammy, I would, I would have taken a point last night because although it's lovely to beat these teams, I think, pragmatically speaking, we've got a cushion where even a point away from home at Easter Road in the years gone by would have been seen as a as a, a respectable result given where you're in the where you are in the table. So um I thought we could win. I, I expected to win, but I would have taken a point under the circumstances. That's how low my expectations were. <laughs> um I think uh, I, I think one of the things that we've probably seen um when you talk about that kind of run of games and stuff as well and how we started against Ross County. Um, was we probably saw a little bit of a kind of upturn in tempo, and Andy, I think in the opening the opening period of the game last night, that was the thing that that really stood out for me right at the start was uh, not only were we um, taking great care of the ball, uh, some of the footwork was absolutely superb, but we we kind of just started off in the right uh, pace. I thought we were going at it uh, in, in absolutely the correct manner, and more than anything else what I felt was really important was that we, we kind of took the game to Hibs rather than um, maybe, I, I don't want to say sat back or whatever, I'm not saying that we did that consciously in the games that I'm kind of talking about prior to Ross County, but we wanted to be able to make sure that we put ourselves out there and expressed a level of football which I think uh, we are more than capable of playing consistently, but shows the level of talent and skill within the team. Yeah, I, I think the team and the players are much the same as the supporters now, they can taste it, we know that it's it's not just in our own hands. It's we're holding it. <laughs> it's just a case of keeping a hold of it. And the, the, you've kind of hit a nail on the head there about the way we approached that game last night. Because I think we all seen the pitch from the first minute that it was going to be a problem. The ball wasn't wasn't moving quite as naturally as we've seen it moving for the whole of the season. I think it was the worst pitch we've played on all season, and that kind of worried me because we are a, a good footballing team, but. As you say, taking care of the ball is a phrase. We, we, we were really kind of, you know, immaculate in terms of our, our passing, controlling the ball, not just controlling the ball, but controlling the tempo of the game and the way we wanted it to be played. And this is something I've touched upon in other pods, that, that we've done this really well this year. And whether it's because the crowd isn't there and that takes away that dynamic, but what we've done this year is we've kind of neutralised teams more often than not by dictating the way the game's going to be played and taking away their opportunity to get physical with us. They can't really get close to their players because we're so good at moving the ball and creating space for each other. So we done that last night. We didn't play particularly well in the first half, I thought, although we created a couple of weak chances. We didn't really play as well as we could have, but I thought at half-time, you know, if we upped it by 20%, we would win the game quite comfortably because the pitch wasn't an issue, apparently, for us. And... uh, we, we could we could get better. It wasn't a full pelt for the first half, so uh, I thought it was um, one of my favourite wins of the season. I've got to be honest, not in terms of fluid football or exciting football, but I thought to a man, every player contributed and had that that old phrase that I use time and time again: fire, ice in the veins, fire in the belly. You know that Neil McCann saying, where where you go to the park, you know what your job's going to do. You know you've got to meet the physical challenge first and foremost, and you know that if you do that, your football will do the talking afterwards. I thought it was a brilliant result. 
Yeah, and I think we 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 played some some excellent passing in terms of some lovely one touch football. I thought we we were able to come forward with the ball uh, and penetrate quite openly because Hibs Hibs will come at us, and they had a couple of opportunities. Um, the guy, uh, I'll say his name. I don't know if you remember his name, but you'll certainly remember his kind of grooming habits. Uh, the, the lad Jackson Irvin that's got the moustache and the the ponytail. He looks like you know the kind of diet Matthew McConaughey version of uh, True Detective. Uh, he had a good opportunity um, to begin with, and then uh, I think a, a clear opening for Joe Rebo when he, he kind of sprung onto a loose ball, was able to create himself a bit of space uh, for a guy who, who's able to, to score some fantastic goals. It was a really great opportunity for him to come in, uh, but he had it pretty much straight out of the keeper. I, I think it kind of tested us at that point as well, and then Hibbs had an opportunity where um, it was uh, Deutsch had taken off of um, or sorry, Dodge, I beg your pardon, in terms of uh, getting the ball off of Al McGregor when it looked like it should have been under the keeper's control uh, and Hibs blasted well over um, from uh, from Irvin. I think what's interesting about it more than anything else is, Andy, that at this point we, we kind of weathered that storm and I don't feel, and maybe this is the confidence, maybe this is the uh, the gap, whatever you want to call it, right? Um but I don't feel nervous when I see these things because I think it reminds me of some of like the great teams that we've spoken about in the past, like you know the 92-93 team, but even if we concede, we're still going to come on and, and get a result out of the game. Hibs did try us, but I didn't think at any point whatsoever for, for a single minute of that game that we were out of control at any stage. It just looked like we were absolutely dictating what was about to happen. They maybe had the odd uh, opportunity, but nothing which gave us any kind of major scares. No, you're right. The past couple of seasons, you sometimes doubted that this, our, our teams could come back into it if we lost the first goal. It was kind of an uphill struggle. And that was because the goals are a wee bit harder to come by in big games when we're under pressure. We kind of felt that. Whereas this season, what we've got is a team that's um, functional. And I don't mean that in a demeaning sense. I mean functional in that we've got players all around the park that contribute at different times. Whereas in the past couple of seasons, it's, it's more or less been Morelos we've looked at for the goal threat. Um, but now we've got we've got centre half, so eight goals for the season. You've got Joe Aribo chipping in. You've got you've got goals from all over the place. So if you do go a goal behind, with time still to be played, you're always going to be confident that we're never out of it. And uh, that, that's why I kind of probably shared your feeling that when you're watching the game, if Hibs were to score, you know you're you're sitting there saying, well, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean the game's finished by any any manner means. And I also think that. A bit of backhanded compliment to Hibs. Hibs are one of the teams that can hurt you because they have got uh, an effective style of play more often than not, although they're, they're, they're kind of faltering lately. But Nisbet's a goal scorer. He can score from um, half chances or from nothing at all. Dodge is an old-fashioned battering ram for the 80s. And then you've got good young players that can uh, kind of provide a bit of quality. I like the boy Doyle for 18-year-old. I think he's exceptionally good. Shows a lot of good things. Um, and then I've got a, a functional midfield with a, with a bit of experience in there, although they did miss the Newell. So, so you're up against a team where, in Scottish league terms, they can cause you problems, especially at home. And then you add in the factor that that pitch should be a, a wee bit of an equaliser for them. Then you've got a potential banana skin on, on the fixture list. And I think we treated it with a wee bit of contempt last night, to be honest. I think we should have been two or three goals would have been a fair reflection of that game last night in terms of play, quality of play, and clear-cut chances created. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed now watching Rangers, but that's by virtue of the, the, the lead we've got 
uh, by virtue of the fact that I know we've got a team that's got options on the park and on the bench, and by virtue of the fact I know that, well, I think Celtic will drop me a point, so we don't need to be maximum points for now the end of the season, which is a position you're, you're kind of aware in last year because Celtic were playing so well. So it's, those dynamics add up to a rational person, Cammy, sitting there saying, you know, we're in a good position. Yeah, well, that's true. And, um, you know, uh, where does rationale come into to, to football at any point ever? Um, th- one of the main talking points of the first half, Andy, and I, I want to kind of get your take on this because I've been a bit vocal about where I, where I think we're at with this, was um, there was a kind of coming together uh, of, of Morelos and, and, and Porteous where when the ball was, was on the deck... Uh, Alfredo Morelos looked like he was being able to try and play the ball and I think on replay it looked like it could have been a clear stamp on Porteous now I'm I'm a little bit dubious as to whether or not it was accidental and what I mean by that is I think think Alfie took a couple of sore ones in in the very first few minutes of the game I think potentially he's been wound up Porteous has absolutely got previous for this we know that um he, he, he revels in the fact that for whatever reason he can wind up Alfredo Morelos. So there's a little bit of previous there uh, between the two players. Looking at it last night, do you think that, that that was a stamp and potentially a red card? Or do you think that he's, he's he's making a legitimate effort to try and get the ball and the ball just happens to kind of just get away from him at the last minute and he's committed to the action and the motion has then caused what he did? I said I'd cared. I mean, there's, I don't think there's any question. However, I say it's a red card because I can see it in slow motion, whereas when I watched it in real time on the telly, the same as everybody else and the same as the referee, who's the most important person in this equation, I didn't think it was a stamp. I thought he'd kind of stood in his arm or something, uh, as you do in an entanglement. So I'd, I actually have sympathy for Clancy for once. And uh, in real time, I didn't see a stamp in motion. It was a stepping motion, more than a stamping motion, because he stepped on him as opposed to raised his knee and then kind of put his foot down on it. Um, so it is a red card with the with the benefit of a slow motion replay. Um, I think the bigger question here is that would we be talking about it if it was the Morelos? Would Sky be talking about it if it was the Morelos? Will there be endless column inches this week talking about it if it was the Morelos? I think there's a genuine question mark around that. I think that also um, there's a disingenuous... These people talking about it being disingenuous because, let's face it, it's a man's game, right? And it's too easy to dismiss it and say, well, stamping's allowed because of that. But if you want to go through every single game in Scotland in in the top flight every week, I'll find you something that's as contentious as that and has they went the right way for, for the, the kind of scales of natural justice that folk would say would should have happened and Curtis Main's exact example. So you've got these every single week and you've got um, the same kind of, you've not got the same kind of uh, hubbub about it. It's purely because it's Morelos. Now the fact that it's Porteous, the Rangers fan of me says, fucking good because what you've got there is a young player who to my mind, as the one guy in Scottish football, or the number one guy in Scottish football, I would say goes out with an intent of maybe not hurting his opponent, but hitting them as hard as he can, which is a kind of throwback nowadays because you don't see it anywhere else. And you only need to go to the first 30 seconds of that game yesterday, and it went unnoticed. But the first 30 seconds, doing it their corner, their, their, their far side uh, corner, he, he, he launched into a tackle which 
by the rules of the game, <laughs> was worth there for yeah, was, kind of was, yeah, it was in Ryan Kent. He, he basically, Kent had to jump to ride the challenge. And it was out of control. It was overly uh, forceful. The, the follow-through was ridiculous. And he was lucky that he never connected to Well, I think it was Kent, I think you're right. But Morelos was running about there at the time. It was a kind of... Yeah. It was a kind of totally reckless challenge, which so early in the game went unnoticed. I didn't. I noticed it at the time. I thought I actually rewound it at half time and say, "Did I remember? Am I remember this correctly?" So Porteous is a player where he gives and takes. I think there's a kind of divine kind of poetry in it that he's, he's the guy that didn't mind getting his photo taken, posing in front of a canvas with him lording it over Morelos when he's on the ground. So he, if he wants to play in that sphere of physicality and, and being a hard man, then welcome to the party, as they say. Playing a bit of uh, devil's dick advocate, just for a second. Is it a greater thing to be able to try and do it if you are wanting to hurt a defender? Metaphorically, I'm using the, the, the Neil Lennon air quotes, right? But is it a greater thing to do to hurt a defender by scoring against them and getting the three points or rather than being able to try and physically stamp on them? Because I feel... And listen, you're totally right. I totally agree with Porteous, right? Porteous has got previous for this. I, I, I despise this idea that it's like a Scottish mentality of aye, a good physical player that leaves one on. It's archaic and, and the game has progressed beyond that or it should have done. Maybe it hasn't in Leith, but it certainly has done in the rest of the world. And what, what I'm, I'm more concerned about is if Alfie's going to react to some of that stuff, Porteous wins, right? He's, it, it's happened to him before, but what Alfie can do and what he's, 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 he obviously did last night was answer in the right way, which is to be able to score the winner and get us the three points and then, you know, to do the metaphorical, get it right up them. I don't think Porteous is going to change with this, but I don't want it to be the case then that for whatever reason, he then brings our players into some of that equation. What I think absolutely has to happen though and where we need to be able to get smarter at being able to do this it's that tackle that you're talking about in Ryan Kent there was another tackle which was performed I forget the Hibs player it wasn't Porteous but it was someone else on Ryan Jack Borna Barisic got stamped on by McGregor who then received a booking for it um, and the Morelos incident so by and large if you're going to go back to who's the most important man in that equation it is Kevin Clancy Kevin Clancy had a terrible game last night but I can say that from a degree of fairness in parity, because I said, you know, as you've just said as well, Morello should have walked. But we were told, Andy, at the beginning of the season, apparently referees knew how big a season this was. I'm, mm. I'm not really too sure what they were referring to there. Um, but again, it comes back to what I feel is something that I've kind of banged on the door a lot of this season, which is inconsistent shit refereeing. But we can't, we can't bang that drum in games where and I think you and I are both old enough in the tooth to probably accept this, Morelos is likely going to get cited. So we need to be able to bring him back to earth a little bit, get him to hurt defenders and hurt teams where we know he can hurt them, which is scoring goals. And then at that point, then turn around and say, this is unacceptable because our players are going to receive serious injuries as a result of this. This, this has to be addressed. And referees need to be able to protect players when it's due. We just can't do that when you see some of the incidents that, that we saw last night, well, the one incident from Morelos. So, I, I, I completely get where you're coming from, Cammy, in terms of your position on Morelos, which is really, he shouldn't be doing that and he should be hunting on my goals. And, and you know, that's, that is right. You can't kind of dispute that. But where I would counter it is, I would say, it's probably a wee bit idealistic for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't think Alfredo Morelos is going to in him. 
to to kind of take that out of his makeup. I think it's it's so ingrained in his personality on the park that I think you're you're telling a bull. What's the phrase? You're telling a a bull naughty buck. Is that the phrase? <laughs> Have I just well, invented I, that? I thought you just <laughs> invented it. But I like the sound of it. So let's just run. Pretty good, one, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, don't tell the bull. You're trying to teach a bull naughty buck there, but the, a rodeo naughty buck maybe a fuck knows. Anyway, you you kind of take it open and also in the professional game that goes on far more than we know because we don't get it highlighted it's highlighted because it's Morelos and I don't think there's any question about that whether folk like it or no it's, it has got a focus on him and um, so I think he has, has, has to be mindful of it he has to be mindful of it because it has cost us in the past and he got away with it last night and I would prefer him to score goals and hurt these teams but to say it's not going to happen to him or for him is uh, ever again is probably unrealistic. Um, in terms of refereeing, I've thought that this season, and again, it might be because of the dynamic of no crowds. I feel that just as we've neutralised the physicality of opposition teams by the way we play, I think we've neutralised in turn the ability for refereeing decisions to have a great influence on games. I think it's also kind of dawned on me that maybe a lot of times in the past three, four seasons where we've rightly bemoaned refereeing decisions, we think back to beating the Ibrooks against Hibs and all sorts, probably if we were a better team again, it doesn't become such an issue. But I think we've been so far, the margins have been so great this year in terms of us winning games, the refereeing has become inconsequential. Now that's no a defence of referees, I think. I still think they're as poor as they've ever been. But I think just the way we play, the neutralisation of physicality and the margin of success that we've had against other teams means that that kind of fine line where refereeing becomes a a, a deciding issue, if you like, isn't there this season. Um, so refereeing, still push. We're just far, far better and made it inconsequential. And, and you know, I mean, again, I, 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 said, I said in absolute fairness because I don't want to turn this into a Morelos bashing session because I think the guy's a, a, a huge player for us uh, and a huge part to what he's contributed and we'll, we'll come back to that later on in the pod. Um, but the other thing you've got to remember as well, Andy, see from a player mentality, you're talking about a guy who, let's face it, has been pretty much vilified, um, you know, yeah. because he plays for Rangers. I, I, I'll do a compare and contrast in terms of when you heard Crocker and Walker last night on Sky purposefully been able to try and, and, and really dig up the fact that um, he hadn't been, you know, sent off, all of that kind of stuff. And I'll, I'll put you back to the comparison of when Scott Brown walked on the park I and mean, within five minutes later he was walking back off of it because he threw his elbow into an opponent's face. And there seemed to be very, very little uh, reaction to that. Whereas if that had been Alfredo Morelos, I think everybody listened to this would have turned around and went, you know, it would have been open season on being able to try and have a go. And, and, and Crocker and Walker were absolutely out of line in terms of being able to do that. But listen, you know, it's not the first time, it won't be the last. And, and listen, this is why I'm enjoying such a successful season because it gets right up these kind of guys because they, they, they hate seeing us when they want to go back to, to where they've seen us getting thoroughly pumped and, you know, shit in the bed whenever we've been able to try and get ourselves in front and stuff. So, bollocks them and I'm, again like you say I'm very very happy at the fact that that's causing them a lot of dismay we jump back into the game sorry, sorry Cammy just before you jump off that uh, two hours ago it's just came out so you mentioned about Benelis potentially being cited for it now normally I would have agreed with you but what's happened is that, that Claire White the famous or infamous compliance officer she actually left a role last week so that role at the moment is vacant so 
if if there is any sighting, then I'll be delighted to find out who's who's doing the sighting. I think I think he's he's got away with one again. So that's just something that's kind of came out in the last couple of years. Listen, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure when White was leaving, but well, they're as well just cutting out the middleman and just putting it in sports scene. Just make it <laughs> a section on sports scene on a Monday night, and they'll just have the judicial panel there. And uh, they'll just have to make up one graphic for whatever play it is, and we all know that'll be Alfredo Morelos. But again, I want to defend him um, because you know, yeah, we know that he's still a young kid, and he's 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 got you know he's hot headed. We hope that he's maturing, and I think he is in some aspects of it. I think he can still be kind of caught out a little bit. But see, the other thing I would say, Andy, is see if I'm Alfredo Morelos, and I know that when I played against Dundee United, I've literally been left with a scab, like an actual hole in my leg. <laughs> From a tackle, right. you've got to, you've got to turn around and think. Well, listen, you know, where's the parity here? Where's the action? Where's the fairness? So I, I get it. I get it. I get it from him. And and the Dana McGregor thing last night, where he had a an inverted commas a stamp as well. Now, I think the stamp itself was marginally less obvious. But the point I would like to make about that and has been missed is that he physically wrestled a Glen Kamara to the ground in a, a fairly violent fashion off the park. And 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 then had the the, the dig at him on the leg. So, you know, they they two things were very comparable for me. So for saying that's a yellow card when you combine the two actions, the throwing down of the player off the pitch, and then the kind of accidental stamping. Then, but there's this kind of immediate that's a red card for Morelos. Well, going to tell me how they two things are comparable together because there's no that much a difference between them. That one's a yellow card without without any kind of qualms. But Morelos is always a red card unequivocally. So that, that, that's what I'm talking about. In the one game, you've got these two things and two very, very different kind of treatments where the, where the, the critics are coming from, the starting point, I suppose. Yeah, and listen, unfortunately, we're in that, you know, we're in that bubble of, because it's Alfredo Morelos, it's easy to do. And, and, and you know, it's just, it's... It's never going to change, and I think that Rangers are doing a good job of being able to try and tackle a lot of that in terms of the uh, the negative press that he gets and all the back of it. But I, I'll go back to the the, talk, the usual talking heads, not talking about the Scott Brown thing. If you were to swap the players in those circumstances, we'd still be hearing about it now. Um, if we go back into the game then slightly, and, and the real positive point, and, and this is for me, fantastic play by Alfie, where a lot of the kind of passing that we were uh, referencing earlier on uh, really comes into its own fold with a lovely move in the second half just down the right-hand side where Tav passes inside to, to Ryan Jack and turn passes it forward to Stephen Davis. I, I mean, a wonderful deft slide in by Joe Rebo just as the most slickest of touches plays in Alfie, who runs the line perfectly to make sure that he stays on side. A little touch and then just just buries it past um, past the Hibs keeper. Um, a brilliant goal, I thought, Andy, in terms of just slick, slick passing. Um, a move that didn't really involve Glenn Kamara, who last night I thought was, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, he was an outstanding man in the match for me. Um, but it also showed our passages of play to be able to create those opportunities were absolutely fantastic. And, you know, you can all tell all the Hibs fans will be raging about the fact that a guy who they feel would have been should have been sent off scores the winner. I thought it was quite funny. Um, but great to see him scoring. We've said it a million times, Andy, you know, when, when Alfredo scores goals, he's a happy Alfie. And who doesn't want to see a happy Alfie? <laughs> happy Alfie. The goal itself was brilliant. And the best part about it is that it's no untypical of us now. We're scoring all sorts of goals. 
and their team goals mostly and the the we're finding solutions where for the past two seasons we just have been totally bereft of them. And and again, just as I'm saying about neutralising physicality, when was the last time we actually heard us talking about a team coming and putting ten mind behind the ball? I think Motherwell at home was probably the only time you could say that that a team made it work. But for most of the part, teams have came, tried it, just the same as they tried it the past two seasons under Gerard. And it's, we've just made a mockery of it. But, but the, the movement of the team, the movement of our front three especially, the the use of the ball from our midfield is just so, so good just now. And Aribo's coming into his own in that because, as you said last night, Cammy, that, that ball that he touched just ruined the corner. Instinctive but brilliant. Um, a fantastic goal. And and again, it's you can go back to him nearly every game and we're scoring goals that have got... So so many facets of movement. I mean, you go up to Ross County, that first goal where Roof scored it, and we had the kind of movement there. You, you had that goal last week against Ross County for the for our own corner flag. You know, this team <laughs> is, is scoring goals of beauty, and it's it's doing to the team. It's not doing to individuals beating 10 men. It's absolutely fantastic, fluid um, football with purpose um, and no shortage of ability. I, I think... But I know we're getting caught up in this, this season and how good it is, but I think back to Advocate, I think back to Walter Smith's great teams, and I'm hard, hard pushed to find teams that played such good football, effective football, and scored such, such fantastic goals in the face of fairly or ultra-defensive teams. I, I, I think we, we, we need to sit back and kind of acknowledge that the, goal, the quality of play just now is absolutely top draw. It is, and, and you know, we said that due to um, the St. Johnson game not taking place until next week, it's our next competitive fixture, obviously. Uh, I would normally do a bit of a kind of preview of, of that kind of game coming up, but I'd like to, to maybe take a little bit of a breath uh, in terms of doing a, a review with you, Andy, if I can, in terms of how we've seen January. So I know, and you've shared, you've increased in your, your confidence levels. You're almost slightly confident now that we might win the league. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the same as myself, you know, we, we were sitting in December, we're on that crest of that wave of, you know, we've had some great results, we've beaten, we've beaten Celtic at, at, at Parkhead, uh, you know, we're, we're racking up plenty of games and, and consecutive wins, we've, we've got clean sheets, you know, we've got goals throughout the team, um, but January. And that was like always the, yeah, but January's around the corner. And, you know, we can start to emit the phrase scar tissue from this this podcast now because we've used it a lot in the last three years. Um, but the, 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 the lingering effect of how our last two Januaries have gone is that we've got ourselves into a, a, a good position. Nowhere near where we are now, obviously, but a good position. But January's always the problem. Um, but... Looking at that run of fixtures of the five games that we've had across January, I looked at that and I thought, if we can get 10 out of the 15 available points, and if we can not lose to Celtic, then I think I would consider that a pretty successful January. I would I would take that. Not only did we beat Celtic, but 13 points out of 15, we've scored 10 goals, we've conceded two, We've had eight different goal scorers. And yeah, if anyone wants to check my maths on that, I'm also including Callum McGregor in there because I think he just doesn't get enough credit for the for the OG <laughs> that he deserves. Um, but I want to I focus a little bit just on probably the more recent games when we talk about 
the performances and the style of football. We're getting results. We're scoring goals, as I say, throughout the team um, in terms of loads of different goal scorers. Alfie, I think, although has contributed, hasn't been chipping in too much with goals. But of those five games I've just mentioned, he's been a winning goal scorer in two of them. Um, I don't think, really, it could have gone much better. And I will caveat that by saying the Motherwell game was not fantastic, but I think it was a test of character. Ross County and what you saw last night and the way we played football, I think just screams how good a team we are and the level of skill and talent we have within our squad at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. That looking at January, we had a mental block as a support because we've been burned the last two seasons, especially last season, in terms of what we've done after the break. And we always looked to that as the, the kind of crunch period, if you like. And, you know, I've said to folk already, if you'd sat me doing it at the start of the season and said, right, Andy, right doing the most fantastical way you want a season to play out and include Celtic in it, I could I could not have come up with the scenarios that have transpired in terms of the Dubai debacle, the 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 COVID um, isolations, and the total and utter fuck ups they've done. Right, but apart from that, I, I want to dismiss this notion that we're where we are because Celtic have collapsed. Celtic have collapsed, aye. But see if they hadn't collapsed, we'd still be ahead of them. Albeit we might not be twenty three or twenty one or or fourteen after games in hand ahead of them. So um, this this month, I mean, the Celtic game set the tone in terms of uh, no performing at top level. But as I kept say, I keep saying, finding a solution. The fight, the first solution is we don't lose goals very easily, and then we've always got a chance from all over the park, including set pieces, which is something I've banged on about for years and years that you need to have your your set pieces counting because that sometimes can make a difference in a tight game. So that was a Celtic game. Aberdeen away, I thought, again, 2-1 flatters Aberdeen massively. I think we could have been goals ahead in that game and, and been far, far more comfortable. Motherwell was only subpar game, but I totally agree with you, Cammy. Motherwell were highly motivated, a new manager, and uh, they, they, they probably caught us in an off day, but we still managed to dominate the second half and get a goal from the bench, which is something we've not been able to do in the past. Ross County was sublime, and then you, you, you'd kind of put the bow in the, 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 the cherry on top, if you like, last night by going to a very traditionally hard place in a circumstance we've already spoken about and coming away with three points. Now, and then on top of that, the kind of actual points differentiation between us and Celtic, is it something like seven points, Mayor? Is that, is that what it is? Six? Yeah, I think six, yeah. Six, so six point more advantage than when we went into December, eh, went into January. So, you're sitting there saying that that is, by any measure, a fantastic return. And I think the better the season goes, the more we lose sight of, you know, how um, how incredible it is to be in this position. Um, Celtic are going to have their own wee personal pain coming up because they've got, a, just as we had a hard January, they've got a hard February. They're away to Kilmarnock, Motherwell at home, away at St Mirren, which is never easy, away at St Johnson, which is never easy. And then they've got a double header at home. To Aberdeen, which I know we're, we're laughing at it, but you know they're, they're still going to be negotiated. Um, so I, I think the January has been an unqualified success. We've, we're getting players back now. We've got to remember we lost Roof for most of that January, who is a fantastic wee player to me. We've no had Arfield, um, 
and and we've no really utilize or change much to the squad. Morelis is rolling it as you mentioned. I think we're our top team has Morelis in it. I think for all his faults, we're a far better team and a far better functioning front three with Morelis in it. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting here shaking my head, Cammy, because I, I cannot believe that we're in this position at this time of year because we should really be far, far more tense. We should be far, far more doubtful. Um, but at this point in time, really, every measure that you want to have, you, you, you can't dispute that we are on course for us if we just keep the heat, keep the motivation and keep the performance levels anywhere close to what we've had for January. And, and this will be done um, probably sooner than we, we think. Yeah, and, and listen, do you know what? I, I don't think that we're... I, I think we're at the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of, uh, as you say, they're kind of keeping a bit of focus, keeping the heat, as you say, because all, 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 I've, I've, all that I can think of in terms of uh, the performances that we've seen over that is that we're starting to express ourselves. I think that we're playing with, a, with deserved confidence, but I also think that at that point we're too, uh, we're too rigid a unit now um, and I mean that from the first team, the squad, management group, physios, doctors, player liaisons, everybody is pulling in the same direction now that we're not willing to allow any degree of complacency to be able to come into it because we are doing everything um, to the highest regard. And from that perspective, it's given almost a little bit of licence to allow the players to go out there, enjoy their football, looking out and do it. The football that we've seen, Andy, is stuff that you would see in testimonials and exhibition matches and stuff as well. Not in like competitive league games, unless you're sitting in a really, really strong space where you don't have any problems whatsoever. That's what that this smells of to me, is players been been able to go really, really enjoy it, overcoming the physical challenges that we obviously saw yesterday. But more than anything else, uh, I, I think putting on a bit of a display and, and knowing that teams should be afraid to do it because the one-touch football, the passing, the penetration, the use of space, almost everything that we do with the football must be terrifying for opponents to, to, to look at at the moment and stuff as well. So I think, it's, I think we're in a really great space um, I'm really, really encouraged by everything that we're seeing, and you know, you've hit the the nail on the head. We were going, we are going to win this title because we deserve it, not because of Celtic's implosion. So, couldn't agree with you more. Andy, just before we wrap up, um, we uh, have done some business within the transfer window, um, uh, which has been announced today. Uh, the transfer window closes on Monday, um, and today Rangers announced that uh, we have completed the pre-contract signing of uh, Bournemouth defender Jack Simpson. Um, Jack Simpson's 24, and um, the uh, sporting director, Ross Wilson, had mentioned uh, in today's article on the RT uh, Rangers site, um, Jack is a player that Stephen Gerrard and I have discussed over a number of times in recent months. We're always looking at how we can improve, and Jack fits that profile, and we are looking to um, add as we develop and move the squad forward again. His contractual situation in Bournemouth provided a natural and attractive moment for us to pursue Jack's signature. It has been well publicised that he's been a much-coveted player south of the border. From our first discussion with Jack, we could see the, how much the opportunity to join Rangers uh, was one that was very appealing to him. The situation with the pre-contract negotiations is never an easy one, and I extend my thanks to Richard Hughes, my counterpart in Bournemouth, and how he's handled our interest in Jack. So we're not asleep at the wheel in terms of recruitment. Clearly, we want to make sure that we are focusing on being able to, to bring in players and, and how to be able to do that. We've obviously done that already with Scott Wright from Aberdeen. Um, 
I think it's great for us to be able to do it because one of the things that we kind of talk about is are we continuing to strengthen? Obviously, he's a, he's a left-footed uh, defender, so there is a, a question as to whether or not does that mean then that we potentially could be thinking of moving out Katic, Edmondson, Balogun or Hollander. I don't know if all four of them will be at the club you know, by the start of next season. So this seems prudent to me, Andy, that you know we are looking to be able to bring in. It's a pre-contract, so he's not going to come with us straight away. Um, but gives them an opportunity to come in to develop. And one thing Ross Wilson has is an eye for good players. I think it's proof positive that we've got a very, a, a, a very, very clear um, design in the football department. I don't like going about Celtic, but as an aside, they, that's a bigger problem to them than the manager for me, um, because they feel way behind us in that sense. The the thing about Jack Simpson is that. Ross Wilson's job is, is in a phrase or in a, in a word, succession, 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 succession. And I would like to think that Simpson's going to come in and I probably think he'll take Edmondson's place because uh, I kind of see Goldson or Hellander, if they remain at the club, being a uh, second choice. I think that's a first choice pairing um, when, when rotation's taken out of the equation. And then you're, you're probably going to have Balligan and Simpson as the, the other centre-halves. I've, not, I've never seen the boy. I've, I've got to say, I've never seen him. I don't watch much of Bournemouth. Um, but the fact that we are making use of this kind of cross-border loophole where we can get players on a Bosman or without kind of minimal compensation because of their age, which I think will happen with the other boy off a bar for Bournemouth, um, it's a good sign. They're low risk. They are the right kind of profile, as Ross Wilson says. So that this is us where, I mean, how many years, Cammy? How many decades have we been saying the Ajax model or something like that or looking at enviously at another club somewhere in Europe who has this kind of well-run football department mechanism where they bring players in the cheap, they get something out of them, they sell them on. But we're getting closer and closer to that every day. We'll just get the kind of final piece of jigsaw, which is getting the big money in for players. And I think we'll start to see that um, in the summer. So Simpson fits the bill. Um, it would be nice to get them in uh, this season because what I do like about Rangers just now is we're in a position where we can bleed players in. We did it to a degree last year with Rebo, and that's why we're seeing them so settled this year. We're doing it this year with Hadji, um, and I think we can do it with other players when the time is right, bring them in, get them exposed to being a Rangers player, and uh, they kind of bridge that gap from becoming a Bournemouth player to being a Rangers player. And I always use Stephen Naismith as an example. Why? Because there was a boy that knew all about Rangers, played the Scottish League for years. And it took him two years to become a Rangers player, if we're being yeah. honest. So it takes good players' time even to settle at Rangers. So we've got that wee bit of luxury and that games that we would probably consider hard games, like games at home where we struggled last year and the year before, we don't really get into those games thinking we need our first 11 here now. We're able to give that wee bit of give where we can introduce players now without risking the result. That's a massive, massive step in the right direction. And and do you know what we've spoke before about not just uh, you know the player rotation and stuff as well and, 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 and where we've we've had hefty fixture schedules because predominantly because of Europe, which obviously comes back in, in a couple of weeks. Um but we've not had to play every single game at 
and been able to try and bang out loads of uh, you know high intensity games to be able to try and do that because our style of football now has overtaken, in my opinion at least, has now overtaken the necessity for that. Because again, like I said, I think players um, when they see how quickly we can move the ball around. Almost to a certain extent, Andy, we've been on the other side of that. I think about, you know, mostly our European opponents, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I think like Porto, I think about Braga, I think about, um, you know, these teams that could could recycle the ball really well, pass the ball really well, do it at speed, do it quickly, do it first time. And whether, you know, we've, we've taken loads of learnings from that, we've coached it and developed it into our players and stuff as well. But we can now put it in, to use a, kind of, to use a parlance, we can now mix it in with the best of them. And I think mm-hmm. we've seen that happen to us. So I know that we've 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 been a bit shell shocked when we've we've seen that happen, uh, and it's taken us a bit of time to be able to try and go over it. Now we're doing it to other teams. I just think it puts the frighteners up them. I really do. Exactly, and and I think also because if you watch, I, I was watching that game last night against Hibs, and I thought, I wonder what Hibs fans think. Did they sit there and think, "Fucking, we're getting played off a park here"? Did Aberdeen fans think that when they watch us? Because that's what I think. Some well, we used to think when we played teams in Europe and they were, as you say, moving the ball so well and so so different to, to what we were used to. So I don't think we'll ever get any credit for it in Scotland, but um, our style of football is is pretty easy on the eye. It's the modern way. It's something that Stephen Gerrard and his backroom team should be taking a hell of a lot of credit for. And I think it bodes well for players that come into the squad because if you've got such a design of play, and clarification. It's like any job, Cam. If you if you set somebody down and say, right, this is your role, this is what you need to do, here's what, what I want you to do within that system, that that takes away 80% of the, the problem that a, a new player would have because, you know, you go into a game with clarity. And I think um, it sounds dead simple, but you just need to look across the city to say that it's not that simple because if it was, they would be doing it with their players. So... Um, <laughs> A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that that's where um, my, my hope is that there is a change in, in, in the the approach to how we've done this because you don't get the the success measures we've had at this point. Nothing's in the bag yet, right? Of course it's not. And I think, you know, all joking aside, you know, none of us are suggesting that it's going to be a cakewalk to be able to try and do this because we've had to work hard to get here. But when you talk about, you know, Runs of, of of consecutive wins. When you talk about you know seven goals in the league conceded thus far, it's not it's not done because of the fact that it's a fluke. And you're absolutely right. It's about player development. It's been able to come into it. And then when you see guys, I mean, I mentioned earlier on about the the range of goal scorers. There was players in there who I, w- I was desperate to get goals. Great for Ryan Jack to come back from injury and then almost immediately appear on the score sheet as soon as he sets foot in the grass. But Seen Alfie scoring goals because we know he's been a bit bereft of them recently. He's had to kind of contribute in other ways. Brian Kent scoring goals. Uh, for me, it's it's just phenomenal to be able to get these guys back into it. And you can tell that they're all really enjoying their football at the moment. Um, Andy, uh, as I say, unfortunately, it's not. Uh, there's no Rangers action this weekend, uh, but we're not back in until St. Johnson. Um, let's say stay true to stay true to form. And why don't you give me a wee score prediction for what you think will happen uh, when we bring St. Johnson to Ibrox? I'll go three nothing. Three nothing. Um, a Kyle Lafferty hat trick because we'll sign him on the last day of the window. Is that what you're suggesting to me? It's been a ridiculous season, Cammy, but it's not that ridiculous. <laughs> it just has to be a stab in the heart. Just that one last McGowan. Give it up, man. Give oh, up. Honestly, it, it, it just bring him home. Bring him home for fifty-five. I beg you, Ross Wilson. I beg you. Um, no, but listen, in, all, in a serious manner, you're absolutely correct. It's been a. It's been. 
relentless in terms of how we've approached this and long may we continue doing it. Andy, um, if uh, the, the punters like listening to us, we know where we can go. Uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand uh, where you can listen to up to four or five shows a day. Uh, the vast majority of Rangers content um, which will come into uh, into your lives daily. Um, we've got some great variety of shows on there. We've got the time capsule. Uh, whenever anything financial happens, Andy always lends in to give us his expertise. Um, and we've got loads of kind of uh, interviews in there as well. One most recently dropped uh, was with former manager and uh, former minor role legend Stuart McCall uh, with our very own Stephen Harrigan that um, came in a couple of days ago and it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Andy, thank you very much for being my guest on this week's Extra. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's a pleasure as well, Cammy, especially this season. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thanks to the executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee Mr Paul Myers. Please check our Patreon site, folks, if you fancy that. If not, David will be back with you on Monday with the flagship show and I'll be back with you next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.